Early on, Ryan Benici told his bosses at G2, if I don't hit my numbers, fire me. He calls it naively confident, and that, at times, maybe he's naive to just how difficult the goals that he's working toward are. But really, Ryan's been marketing software to marketers for the past decade at Microsoft, Salesforce, HubSpot, and now G2 Crowd, now just G2. In the two years since joining G2, he's grown the marketing team from five people to 80, the monthly organic traffic from 500,000 to 5 million, and rebranded and repositioned the brand to be about more than just customer reviews. Naivete, confidence, call it whatever you want, but whatever it is, it's working. This is Ground Up. It's a podcast about growth, except without all the numbers. Here, we tell the stories of everything behind the numbers, the ideas, the habits, the discipline, and also the personal and professional growth of some of the smartest marketers and business owners that we know. I'm John Benini, and I'm your host. It started two years ago, there were five people. Um, and then I'd say within like the first year, we probably grew that to about 50 or so people. Um, and now we're at around 75 heads. I mean, I think we'll, we'll be about 80, I think, in a few months. Um, so pretty crazy growth. I mean, tell me about that. I kind of like <laughs> five, kind of five to 80 what people. I was getting. <laughs> <laughs> like I um, I've built teams before and I've built big teams before, but I've just never built big teams so quickly. And I think so I was like, so I think I didn't kind of factor that in you know, early on, just how difficult that could be. And I think I also didn't actually, it's not that I didn't factor it in maybe, but I, I also didn't realize how difficult it would be hiring in the U S um, given that most of my, you know, experience and my network is in Asia. Sure. So, you know, having spent kind of like the first decade of my career in Asia, I feel like I would never use HR or recruiting. I would always be the person finding great marketers. And that wasn't, that was like a fun process for me because I had time and I um, just would, yeah, love meeting with people and finding out if they were great at what they did. Um, and so, yeah, coming to the US and then having to build a team so quickly was challenging. And I, it was the first time I had to really rely on recruitment firms. And I found one really great one in Chicago called Hunt Club. Um, they do amazing kind of tech sourcing across all of the U.S. and they sort of have software that helps them identify influencers or people that are really good. Um, and so they helped me build, you know, a good portion of the early folks in my team. And then eventually then we started to take it in-house. But um, yeah, I mean, to your question, like, you know, tell me a bit more about that. It was kind of just, I mean, it was challenging in that I think, you know, this was obviously the most sort of senior executive role I'd ever had before. And so, you know, I naturally felt a lot of pressure that I had put on myself around, you know, hitting my goals quickly, building an amazing team. Um, and, you know, I'm just a little bit anal when it comes to hiring. And I, I really, if I feel like there's anything slightly not right about the candidate, I won't hire them. Like I'm, I'm very much like a, go really, really slow um, and hire carefully kind of person. Right. Um, what, what are your most important, I, you know, qualities that you're looking for in somebody? You know what? It really depends on the role, I would say. Um, but I think like generic things, obviously, are just, right. you know, pretty standard in that, you know, I obviously want people that work for me that are smart. I want them that, like, I want self-starters. Um, nothing shits me to tears more than... <laughs> Um, having to ask people repetitively to do things. I yeah. love marketers that 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 you give them like their responsibility. They crush their metrics that you've given them. They work at how to really reliably hit their goals so that they can free up time. And then in that free time, they then create really interesting, high impact things. So that's sort of who I like to hire, who I look for for the majority of roles. Like there are some roles where you know that you want a bit of a different makeup of a person, but I think, you know, people that have just grown things before and people that yeah. understand a funnel, regardless of like what you do on my team, if you can't understand a funnel, you know, let's say you're an event marketer or a trade show marketer, right? Like if you can't explain to me how you're going to, you know, if you're spending $50,000 on a booth, um, I want to know, you know, how much revenue you want to close out of the event. And then I want to know how you're going to get that. Right. So like, 
if you need to generate, you know, you're spending 50K to close $100,000, like what's your average deal size? Like what's your conversion rate from like up to close? Like let's work backwards. How many feet, like, and people do you need to meet at the booth? Like, right, yeah. <laughs> just, it's funny because I'm like horrible at maths, but when it comes to like funnels, my brain is just like for better or worse, like very rational in it. Like if you can't do that, like the way my brain can, like we can't be friends. <laughs> yes, yes. Start at the end goal and back into it, right? I mean, kind of, yeah. yeah. And and give, yeah, give give people the guardrails and the ones that the ones that can uh, re- really grow something uh, despite limitations or, or despite the resources they have. and um, Yeah, and I think that's a really good point of what you just mentioned then, right? In my mind, like a really great market, if they don't have the right resources and they, or they've got limitations, they will fucking speak up, right? Yeah, like, yeah. like a person that like doesn't hit their goals and at the end of the year says like, I didn't have the headcount or the budget I needed, like you're fired. I mean, you're not fired. Yeah. Like you could be fired <laughs> way before that point in time in my mind. But you, no, realistically, I don't say that to be mean, but you're not doing your job. Everyone's job is to manage their manager. And so if you don't ask for what you need, um, then you're not doing your job. And, you know, if your manager is an ass and won't let you ask for those things, then that's a separate situation, right? But, you know, you should be able to work out how to manage your manager. And if you can't and they won't respond, then find another and job. And you shouldn't be waiting for like a weekly meeting or a monthly meeting or any sort of one-on-one to make those things known, right? Like if you're hung up on a project, there's nothing worse than when you have the one-on-one with that person and they're checking in on progress and they're like, oh yeah, I wasn't able to do X because of Y. You're like, mm. okay, why, why didn't you come to me last, you know, last week? Due date, exactly. Right, right. my expectations. So, right. I mean, I think they're just some of the skills, yeah, that I, that I think are important right. in any kind of person that wants to work in a high growth um, environment that isn't super structured, I guess, which, you know, most tech companies, startups, right, they're evolving really quickly, they're growing really quickly. You need to be able to deal with ambiguity, you need to be able to not know all the answers and be able to still make a call and run a strategy. And if you're too risk averse to do those sorts of things, then, you know, fast growth companies or, or my teams probably aren't the best place for right. you. And, that's no hard feelings. It's not personal. You know, we're, we're all different. So when you came on uh, almost two years ago, right, December of, of 17, uh, there was five marketers. What was the breakdown? Like, who were those five marketers? Uh, like, what was their role? And then, who, like, who were your first few hires? And why? Yeah, good question. So there was, so when I first joined, there were, and part of the problem was that there wasn't a whole lot of um, structure around what the people were doing. Um, and I and I genuinely don't think that was any any major fault of their own. Um, you know, the when I had joined, the person who was the previous CMO had moved into another role in the company about a year prior. So you know, they were trying to fill the role for a while, and and I, um, you know, they reached out to me a year or so before I joined, and it wasn't the right time. Um, and then they were looking for folks, and then came back around, and then it was right. The, long story short that person had left and sorry had moved into that new role 12 months before i joined and so the marketing team didn't have a leader for about a year and i think my story around what happened was that they were trying as best as they could to you know satisfy sales to satisfy leadership to whomever asked them to do something and so they kind of then became a bit of a group of generalists always being reactive as opposed to like a true marketing team running a marketing strategy. So they were kind of like an know, internal agency for, for everyone else. A little bit. Yeah. So, you know, there was one person that, you know, that did content to assert to as a you know majority of their role, one person that did analytics, one person did social, one person did PR and one person maybe did email marketing. But again, I said like, maybe and partially because that wasn't like they weren't called the email marketing manager like they were all sort of just marketers or senior marketers and they did a bunch of different things and that was one of the things that i quite quickly changed um and partly was because like i had a pretty strong vision for like what i wanted the team to look like which you know partly was based on my experience and was partly based on just what the board wanted so you know when i joined the board told me that there were kind of like three really big priorities for me to hit. So the first was to grow our traffic, given that we're a marketplace, you know, we have millions and millions and millions of buyers coming to our site every week um, and every month, obviously. And so 
Um, making sure that we were growing the number of people coming to our site to buy software is obviously key because as like any two-sided marketplace works, you know, if you don't have sort of the demand, then you can't really monetize the demand and connect the sellers to that. Um, and so, yes, that first sort of big goal for me was, you know, build traffic, build that like digital um, platform. Um, the second sort of priority for me was build a demand gen funnel and machine, right? So that again is the other side of the marketplace for me. So how do I build a, a, a marketing team that can support sales to create net new opportunities, net new pipeline and help close pipeline quickly? Um, and then the third big sort of nugget priority that they gave me was to build a brand that people all around the world knew, loved and, and trusted. Um, and so in year one, to your question around, you know, what I hired first, I really focused on, I focused on number like one traffic first, um, while also semi focusing on number two, there was a few quick wins of things right. that we were able to do with sales from my just experience at Salesforce and HubSpot, but I knew we'd build, you know, relationships quickly with sales and help get results. So I was able to do that while while focusing on traffic and by focusing on traffic, I meant, you know, cleaning up our website from a technical SEO perspective, which is never something that's like ever finished, right? It's like always being worked on because we're always launching new parts of our site. Um, but then the, the bigger piece for me was more building out a content team and building out a really robust content strategy that would drive millions more buyers to our site at a different stage of the funnel than the people that we were existingly drive. I think I just made up a word. And the folks <laughs> that were already, <laughs> and the folks that were already coming to our site, right? So if you think of, who were who were know, the people that you, were comparing software, right? The people that were yeah, coming to the exactly, site at that time. right. Like so, if, if you're you know if you're searching for CRM software, you know I think of that as like you know a very a kind of like a middle of funnel search. Yeah, fairly and that, high like, intent, you know, yeah. Yeah, you know, you, you know, like a category of software is maybe what you need, but you're not searching for specific sellers, nor are you comparing one provider to another. Um, so we kind of, you know, we're crushing it from the middle of the funnel down to the bottom of the funnel with, you know, whether it was like, you know, CRM software, you know, sure. marketing automation reviews, HubSpot verse, Infusionsoft, etc., uh, HubSpot pricing, all those sorts of terms. But I think what I sort of noticed, and from my experience at HubSpot, there was just a massive gap at the top of the funnel for us. Um, and so top of funnel being right, those terms and those searches that people are doing when they may not realize that they need software, but software could help them. Right. Right. So, you know, in the example I gave then, right, using CRM software as the middle of the funnel and then Salesforce versus HubSpot at the bottom, a top of funnel search in my mind for someone that could benefit from sales software is like sales headcount planning or sales territory strategy or, you know, these terms that indicate something with regard to their sales team. So they're telling me that they're a salesperson or a sales manager or sales ops. They're doing planning. They're trying to make something within their team better. They are the kind of people that, you know, you could create a blog post around, hey, here's like some ways you can think about building your territory. P.S. Did you also know that like certain CRMs can do that for you? Sure, Here yeah. is some of their best reviews, right? It's the inbound so playbook, like one yeah. Example. yeah, the inbound playbook, like basic, basic, basic marketing. But funnily enough, most people don't get it. And so, well, they don't get it really well, I think, you know, in that true top of funnel search. Because I think what happens is CEOs or CMOs tell their teams, you know, we need to do content. We need to build thought leadership. But then sales and CEOs dictate what content should be produced. So, yep. you know, if, if that was the case, like our CEO would say, you know, like, well, we need to write an ebook or a blog post on why customer reviews matter. Um, and the reality is that, like that might not be what people are searching for. So, like, let's find them what in, in the world that they are searching and then let's kind of move them through the funnel. So I want to get back to the those specifics in a minute, but. Uh, just to, to to put a bow on the on the team growth, talk about the changes that you had to go through, uh, you know, professionally as a leader in terms of communication, delegation, setting everyone else up for success when you're going through a high velocity hiring like that. Yeah, so I mean, I don't know if there's you know really a perfect way to go about doing it, um, you know, or maybe I'm just not good at that. But um, you know, I think. I tried really hard to make sure that I was communicating to people at a high level around like why it is that we are what we're doing. Um, so really helping them understand kind of like the vision and the direction of the team was really, you know, I think the most important thing for me. 
and selling that into you know the board and to our leadership team, to my boss, um, and then to the company first. Um, and then once I sort of then got sign off, I guess, you know, I don't know if I I don't know if I would did a great job at communication through the process, to be honest. And I think I kind of intentionally decided that would be the case, right? I don't think you can do everything perfectly and you can do all the things. And so I sort of made a decision pretty early on that, um, that I knew what I, I knew like the roles that I needed for, and I knew that hiring was the most important thing for me to be successful. And so, you know, I probably focused a lot more externally on trying to find the right people um, than I probably did with the existing marketing team. And, that was like a tough thing to do, to be honest, you know, because, you know, I want, I wanted to take that team on the journey as well. And I, and I did take them on the journey in the same way I took the company on the journey, but, but I was coming in and the team culture was very different than what I wanted to build, which was partly why I was hired. Right. Um, and so I think that was like, that was tough to be able to know that like this was going to be a hard transition for some people, but the, and do the best that you can to support them, but also then just be okay with that. You know, this, the company that we're becoming, the team that we're becoming is not what it was before. And that's intentional that, that this isn't a mistake. Um, and if you are on board with that vision and direction, great. And if not, you know, truly no hard feelings. Like, you know, in another two, three years when we're public and whatnot, like, I don't know if, I would also be the right person for G2 just because, you know, I feel like I love teams that are a little bit more nimble and fast, you know, again, who knows, we'll see when that time comes. But, um, so I, I'm pretty open and honest with my team about, you know, there's certain like life cycles, for jobs and things like that. And if you are someone that wants to adapt and keep adapting and changing, that's great. So, you know, to your question of like comms, I think like I tried to do as best as I could, but to be honest, a lot of the roles that I needed were external. The people internally didn't have the skill set. So that was just a hard truth that I think folks needed to get on board with. And it took some time in terms of kind of like delegation. And, um, and, I, and I can't remember what the third question like, element you know, of your question. processes and being able to set everyone up for success once they're yeah, on board. Yeah, beautiful. So for, for delegation, I mean, early on, obviously, with just the core team, I don't think it was too difficult given, you know, we were all sitting together and I was able to sort of like, realign some of their roles to certain segments on sales teams and things like that so i think what it meant though was just that for everyone it was like a whole lot more um a whole lot more input from above aka coming from me and fortunately actually they all really wanted that um or so they said that because you know they hadn't had that boss for that year beforehand so they didn't have that direction so having someone that could give them direction that could you know, help fight for the priorities that they thought were important, I think was helpful. Um, but to your question on kind of process, to be honest, you know, we didn't have a lot of process. And and I sort of, again, for better or worse, intentionally decided not to because every month the team was a completely different team, right? You know, five people, 10 people, 20 people, 30 people, you know, new teams were forming every month and that was intentional. And that was definitely, a, you know, a, a a tough thing for some of the existing folks because, you know, I sort of didn't want us to spend too much time creating process. I wanted us to be really adaptable because I knew that Things I knew where the up, team was right. going. Yeah, exactly. And I didn't want to waste time on building a lot of process that would then be needed to be done again and again and again. You know, fortunately now we're at a stage two years in where we have really good processes, not too much, just the right amount. We could probably have some more. Um, but I also want to be mindful that, um, I want us to be able to move quickly and I think split process can sometimes slow things down. So, sure. you know, we're, we're at a nice point now, I think two years in that the team kind of, you know, is the right makeup of who I think will take us to, to IPO and, and onwards. And so they're, I think, very well aware that, you know, we are a high growth company. Our team is growing and changing. So is the business. And, it, I, mean, I expect all of them to be able to adapt to that. That was why they were hired. And their roles every six to 12 months may look a little bit different, as does mine. Um, and, I, and I hope that we do a good job at managing those expectations in the interview process. Because, um, you know, I think if, you, if you're up for that ride and you love to solve problems and take on big challenges, then G2 is 
is categorically the place for you. Um, but if you're not, if you want to be told what to do all the time and you want to have complete and utter structure, then it's probably not the best, right? You know, and I think that's the difference between working for a bigger company or, you know, a company that's scaling up. Sure. In terms of the percentage breakdown of of who of the hiring mm-hmm. the hires that you're making, um, yeah. were they mostly content? I mean, even even now, like, because it seems like obviously content is a is a huge priority, both content creation, uh, building relationships with other domains, and link building and guest posting. So, is it safe to say a lot of the hires you make center around content marketing in some way? Yeah, I mean, I, I'd say not necessarily content marketing, but you know, I'd say about. 40% of my team are focused on the buyer side of our marketplace. Um, and then I'd say probably 30% of the team is focused on the seller side of the marketplace. Um, and then that leaves about 30% left for folks that are focused kind of more on the the whole marketplace. So the whole marketplace being kind of branding, product marketing, messaging, creative, like they're doing things that service all teams. So yeah, to your point, I think our our buyer team, which is, you know, majority content marketers, it's kind of split into three teams. So we have a content editorial team, you know, let's say maybe 20 or so folks. Uh, We have then a content optimization team with a handful of folks. Um, And content optimization for us is um, that team then breaks into sort of on-site content optimization, off-site content optimization, which is sort of like guest blogging and content elsewhere and then we have you know a community outreach slash link building team that sits in that world seo lives Uh, there too no the third the third team within um that buyer squad is um is technical seo okay and i would say probably 90 percent of what they do is technical seo and infrastructural work for our core marketplace so for the dub 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 just because it's such a competitive landscape um and um yeah so that's and so yeah that's really what that buyer or content and community and seo team looks like because uh i know you you had your first event or big event this year right the reach was that the first yeah. uh was that the the, the first it was uh, our first event? it was our inaugural um you know big company event we we do lots of smaller events right. and customer events and trade shows and things like that but yeah this was our first you know us totally curating and building the content the venue looked great and the the concept of there was two sessions essentially going on at once right and you could tune in using headphones to whichever one you wanted yeah i thought it was really fun um so yeah we basically you know i I kind of i don't know if you can tell this about me just from our short chat so far but i I don't really like to do things the conventional way and (laughs) and i and i get bored of things kind of easily and i just like I don't know. I, I want my team to always be pushing the needle further and to be bigger and better. Um, and I don't mean that just like, just to say it like as a value, like I really right. believe that we do this. And so, you know, the, the event was really interesting in that it was like in the round. So all the, um, you know, the main stage had all these chairs looping around it, which was, which was amazing, I think. And everyone seemed to say afterwards in the feedback was just that they were able to get really close to the speakers and really close to the stage. Cause instead of having, you know, everyone looking at a big wall and then lots of lines backwards, everyone was around us. Um, and then when we cut for breakouts between the break, we then like dropped a massive, you know, kind of semi soundproof barrier, like splitting the circular stage in half so that then we had our sales presenters on one side and our marketers on one side. And then, yeah, you could change the silent <laughs> disco headphones. So it was really fun. Um, it was kind of stressful as well. I mean, um, just technologically, right? If if it didn't work properly, right. <laughs> yeah, it would be a nightmare. That right, could have sucked. Um, <laughs> and part of that was due to just venue limitations. And um, there's some really cool venues in Chicago, but again, maybe just being a bit of a weirdo, like I categorically will never do an event at a hotel. Like I will never <laughs> work for a company that does events at hotels because I just think they are the lamest. Um, and so, you know, I think like. That's why so many people check out at events, right? Because they're in a boring conventional place or a convention hall. Um, and so what was interesting is that like when when we were up on stage and even when I was off stage watching people, no one had phones or laptops out. Like everyone was just in it. And so um, that that was special. That felt special. Um, so in, in, in addition to, to events, obviously content, organic is a huge play. Uh, do you do a lot in in paid ads and in paid search, whether it's social? Like, uh, well, just talk about the overall 
you know, strategy for marketing, the channels that you use, like which you rely on most? Yeah, sure. So we, we don't rely on paid very much um, in my core team. Um, we have other, other teams in, in G2 that do use a little bit more paid. So, you know, our team in research that um, generates all of our, or doesn't generate all of our reviews, but is focused on our review number. Um, definitely leans on paid as well as email marketing as well as gift cards and things like that. So about a third of our reviews come from sort of digital ads, a third come from email marketing, our own database, and a third come from sellers that are promoting their G2 profile to customers to leave reviews is sort of how it looks. So, But um, other than that, though, no, we don't do a whole lot of paid um, on the marketing side from just a budgetary perspective, we, we do have folks dedicated to that in marketing, but we do much more targeted um, ABM sorts of campaigns. Um, and so it's definitely not to the masses. It's like to very few people, but to, to the right people. Right. Um, so yeah, we lean a little bit on paid, but to kind of like your question, I think content's huge for us. You know, field marketing, um, as, is like a very big driver for us in terms of generating net new opportunities for sales and pipeline and then closing that. Um, you know, we lean really heavily into product marketing. We have an amazing product marketing leader who actually just like won a global award from the Product Marketing Alliance as like the best product marketing team this year, which is wow. pretty cool. Actually, just, they, they delivered our award yesterday to our London office, which is where I'm working from right now, um, which is cool. I mean, our product marketing team right now is, is, a, is six in total, but last for this whole year they've just been three people, um, and um, so that that was pretty special to see them get recognised for all of their amazing work. Given they are such a small team, but they're amazing and they're hustlers. Um, so yeah, we lean on kind of we don't lean on a whole lot of paid channels, I guess, John. Um, right from a marketing that, or top of funnel perspective. Yeah, from marketing to even from I mean from bottom funnel it's a little bit, but. A retargeting uh, or, yeah. it's a, yeah yeah a little bit of retargeting but i think we would you know we would spend more at the bottom of the funnel on you know doing key dinners with you know top cxos right. in certain segments around the world um or doing really really creative direct mail marketing that's not like anything else that other companies do like we kind of choose a few creative channels and then we try and use them in ways in which no one else is using them um Right. Yeah. Right. Um, and I know when we were talking before about process, obviously for a team that's growing as, as fast as yours, uh, process can tend to get blown up pretty often. So it wasn't like a high priority. Right. But talk about in terms of like planning and forecasting for the team in terms of setting goals and aligning specific teams around certain metrics. Like how does that all work? How does your planning process work? And uh, how does the process for checking in with teams and 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 uh, accountability work in terms of, of each yeah. team around certain metrics. Good questions, but there was a lot of them. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll try and get. Let's to start them. with okay. your planning uh, process. Yeah, like how does that work? Sure. Is it annual, yeah. quarterly? Yeah. So we we plan annually. Um, yeah. So we plan. It basically starts right like around this time. We start to work out. You know, what sort of growth do we want to see next year? Um, and we actually kind of go top down from you know what goal do we want to hit and then what and that's what i actually genuinely love about g2 we don't look at our existing resources and say like what can we do with them instead we say like where do we want to get to and then build the plans to get there um so it's like a hundred percent accountability that my ceo has of me in the sense of like i put together the plan i have to hit those numbers i need to make sure that i ask for all the things i need to hit my numbers and if i don't let's hope that doesn't happen it hasn't happened yet right, right. <laughs> <laughs> he would be pretty pissed and i would tell him to fire me like i've told him if i don't i've like i said to him earlier on actually funny story which just was you know like because i asked for a lot obviously given my team grew from five to where it's at now right. um and i remember just being really clear i was like look you hired me you hired me because you think i know what i'm doing you trusted me trust me and like this is what i need and tell me what you want me to hit with those metrics and I'll do that. Um, and I think we just have like, we, I feel really connected at the hip to uh, my boss, our CEO. And I think, you know, I do a good job at managing his expectations. And like I said before, managing up and asking for what I need. So 
you know, he typically works out where he wants to be as a business. And so that means, you know, what does our revenue want to look like? What does our traffic want to look like by the end of the year? How many, where do, like, where do we want to be in terms of reviews? Like right. what we, how do we want our product to evolve? So we sort of set those goals as a senior leadership team. Um, and then we work back from there. And I mean, you know, where we've been growing, you know, we've been doubling year on year um, from a, a revenue, a traffic, a headcount perspective for the last few years. And so, you know, I, I really hope we can continue to grow at that kind of a rate, obviously, <laughs> but that's a little bit tough. I mean, that said, though, you know, um, I think we do a good job at resourcing ourselves so that we can hit those goals. So I'm bullish that we can get there. Um, but, you know, if I think back to when I joined, we would, we would, when we joined, I mean, I want to say we were driving around 500,000 organic visitors a month. Wow. Um, that was when and you now we're, that was when I joined. So two years ago, now we generate a million organic sessions in a week. Um, so, you know, around five mil a month. And what do you attribute that on, to just the overall investment in new content and, and SEO and link building? Yeah, I mean, I can really directly attribute it, actually. I mean, so, you know, all of, you know, we have a separate subdomain for all of our top of funnel content. So that's very easy to see, you know, how many people do I have? How much am I spending on those people? And how much traffic am I generating? And what's like the cost per session or cost per million sessions to, to me as a business? Um, and then obviously then as well, you know, all the technical SEO work that we do on the dub, dub, dub. Um, which is our core marketplace, the, the middle and bottom of funnel stuff. Right. We can see, like, we we track those improvements, like, very specifically, right? So, you know, we have a few different categories of pages on our site, right? Like, we have review pages, we have comparison pages, we have, um, uh, like, like brand pages, right? Like, Databox has a page on G2.com. So we can kind of like look at all of our experiments and all of our work on, you know, a page type basis, or, or we can obviously get more granular than that. And then we look at like what uplift did we get afterwards and what was our baselines and things like that. So where, where I haven't been able to do a great job at kind of connecting the dots or attributing things is on the link building side, to be honest. Right. And I think there's just, I think that's tough for a few reasons because there's just so many different variables that affect it, like the competitors, like the amount of content you have, like your domain kind of power around the certain topic as well. There's just so many things. So I found that a little bit difficult. Um, but I think this year I'm trying to get the team to actually like focus their link building efforts in a little bit more of a focused way around certain types of pages or topics or things like that so that we can see a little bit more of a directional um so what do they what do they have goals right now around outreach like how many people they should be pitching uh a month no we don't have it we, we kind of work sort of um i guess bottoms up or top i mean depends kind of which way you flip the funnel but yeah. look at just like how like where do we want to be in terms of like net like total domains by the end of the year how many 90 plus 80 plus 70 plus etc um, right. and then I think where we're getting better now is, is that how we then focus like the number of domains, the power of those domains and around like what, like to, to where are they linking? Um, so yeah. Yeah. So did you say it was 500,000 a month when you first joined and now it's over a million a week? About five mil a month. Yeah. So from 500,000 to five mil. So, um, wow. again, it's horrible at mass, but I think is that like <laughs> All, and that's organic, correct? Oh, yeah, yeah. Wow, uh, yeah, that's impressive. Um, and I, uh, back to what you said about the plan, because I have to, I have to ask you about this again. It's about thirty percent month on month at the moment, which is insane. Like, yeah, that is insane growth. Right? Yeah, especially when you're doing that, yeah, that high of volume. Um, yeah. So back to what you said, when, when it comes to planning, when you're doing annual planning, do you say early on you told your boss like, if I don't hit these numbers, fire me? <laughs> yeah, it's on my board actually. Yeah, totally. Like, I, <laughs> I love like that. A, that's that's confidence. Kind of like a bizarre. I mean, you can tell I'm a weird person. I'm like naive, and and I'm like naively confident is how I like to describe it myself. Um, but yeah, Would you say naively so, confident. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I'm like overly confident, but I'm like naive to like how easy it could be to fail. So, <laughs> but that like gives me a rational confidence. So, um, seems to be working out. So yeah, stick with it. It's yeah. working out. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, I think, I think also like, you know, I didn't hit all of my goals, right? Like at the end of year one, um, you know, I had gotten traffic well above where the company wanted it, you know, well, like the growth rates had grown in, in like exponentially, the 
board CEO's very happy. I got the demand gen team and, and our sale, a marketing source pipeline for sales on point. Um, and, you know, I remember in like my third or fourth board meeting at the end of the year, the board being like, hey, like you haven't done anything on brand. Um, you know, that was the third thing we asked you to do. And I literally said to them, kind of like I said to my boss that time, I was like, look, I made a very like clear decision at the start of the year, even though you told me to do that, I wasn't going to do that. <laughs> Sorry, but like, you can't fire me for like crushing traffic and building sales pipeline. But if I like did a great job at a rebrand and didn't hit the other two goals, then like if I were you, I would definitely fire me like right, right. silly CMO. So, you know, I, and I, and they just kind of laughed and I'm like, okay, cool. like, okay, please start working on the brand now. And I was like, yep, it's already in the plan. Like we're working on it right now, but this was intentional. Um, so Yeah. <laughs> Right, yeah, and the G two that rebrand that was that was recent, right? The G two crowd to G two. It was the start of the year, yeah. You know, we we bought G two dot com, moved the site over, you know, dropped the crowd from everything, um, and got a new look and feel and new logo and everything. And that was funnily enough, like you know, I I, I think partly I put that off, you know, for a year because a like I never really I, I used to discredit I think brand CMOs. Um, you know, I think, you know, coming from HubSpot, you know, I'm a very like data driven marketer, love data, you know, I think data is more important than brand or had, had thought that in the past anyways. Yeah. Cause HubSpot uh, was I, big on brand too, right? The whole inbound movement. Yeah. But interestingly, HubSpot wasn't built on brand by focusing on brand. HubSpot yeah. was built on brand by focusing on helping people. And they did that through content and that yeah. in fact created their brand. It's very different. Yeah. Like it's, it's the, it's the exact polar opposite of focusing on brand in my mind. Um, and so, you know, all the content work that we were doing to drive traffic was sort of step one in us building our brand at G2, because, you know, you know, moving from 500,000 to 5 million a month people on the site naturally is improving your brand, but not in the same way as kind of like updating your brand or your logo or your visuals. So but yeah, so anywho, I guess what I was saying is that, um, you know, I think I put that off because, you know, I didn't really value brand as much in the B2B world as much as maybe I do in sure. the B2C world. And I think going through that rebound process, I actually, I loved it. It was such a fun process, um, not just for the creative components of it, which were really fun, but actually what I loved about it the most was we were doing the rebrand not because we wanted to change the logo or the colors. I mean, I did want to change those things and I, I didn't think they were representative of where we needed to be, but actually um, it was more about, I think like our vision and our story and our positioning. That was where I had the biggest kind of hang up on the G2 that I knew of now internally and the G2 of, that I joined and the reasons why I joined versus like what we were seen and known as externally. And so that was really fun to do that. And how did that change? Talk about how that evolved, like the story and the vision uh, throughout the yeah, rebrand. Great question. And you know, a lot, a lot of it is, a lot of it was internal too, as well as external, obviously. But right. so, I mean, I think when, when I joined G2 and I think, you know, still today, most people just think of us as a review site. Um, and I think what, what we've seen start to change and, you know, what the rebrand was really focused on changing was, um, it was trying to help shift everyone's mindsets and those internally too, that like we aren't a review site where like we reviews are a means to an end, right? You need reviews to find the right software. So like, let's go back to my example earlier, right? If you are a sales VP and you're trying to like make your sales team more efficient with territory planning, and then you, you know, you search CRM reviews or comparisons or something like that. Um, actually the reviews are just a means to an end. You want sales software. But I think then I started to realize like as I was in the company, like again, software just a means to an end. Like if you are that sales VP, you actually want a, you know, a highly productive sales team. You want to hit your goals. You want to be able to go home before, you know, 8 PM at nighttime and spend time with your family if you have one, right? Like there's so much more than reviews and software. Um, and so, I think like that was a big part of my like messaging internally in the company when I even pitched the whole idea of the content team, right? Like that massive team that I have built was that, you know, if you think about, you know, someone's job, that sales VP's job, they probably spend about 0.001% of their working year researching software. They spend probably like, you know, a much greater percentage of their time researching how to make their teams be efficient or do their jobs better or, or like, 
they're, they're on Google not searching for software, I guess, is the point that I'm trying to make. They're on there looking for short-term fixes to their templates, like, you know, cold calling emails or all of those different yeah, things. Yeah, they're not searching for features, right? Yeah. No, they're not searching for features all the time. Like, they're searching for things to help them do what they need to get done right now, whether that's quarterly planning or, you know, how to let an employee go or, you know, how to do sales enablement, all these things. And so as, as like, as I started to see that change and us need to go higher in the funnel in terms of our traffic and our buyers, I think it also made us start. To, I, I also kind of used that, I guess, to help the company see that we needed to go bigger than reviews because reviews were a means to an end. And so that sort of then shifted kind of how we internally think of our platform, right? We don't think of ourselves as a review site anymore. We think of ourselves, you know, as a platform and as a marketplace that's, that's connecting buyers with sellers that helps buyers reach their potential at work and then at home and helps sellers hit their goals um, and ultimately reach their potential. So it's kind of, it's like, I know it can sound a little bit fluffy in some ways, like as a tagline, just thinking about it like that, but it really did fundamentally change internally how our product teams thought about our product, how our marketing teams thought about creating content, how our sales teams thought about how they pitched to people. Um, you know, and we did a really beautiful case study video, a customer success video with HubSpot a few months back, um, who, who have been a customer of G2s for, you know, many years. And we just did one with IBM really recently, which is about to go live, but talking like kind of like helping, you know, our future customers see that like, if you want to be super successful, like HubSpot, like IBM, like all of these big companies, you really need to focus in on the customer. Um, and you know, that's not just in terms of focusing on the customer from a reviews perspective to help your sales teams close more deals, but like if your product teams are listening to your customers, they will create better products, which will retain people better, which will help you close more deals faster, right? Like putting your customer at the center of everything is really where it's at. And so, you know, a lot of this sort of came out of all of this work that we did around really trying to work out who it was that, that we wanted to be. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense. And it sounds like maybe the sales team, were they kind of using that positioning already? Because obviously when you're selling the product to a company, it is more about sales enablement, right? And and having the insights that a, a platform like G2 uh, gives you to be able to target accounts better or just uh, have a more efficient sales process. So did you learn anything like a lot from the sales team during that process in terms of like, how, what are you, you know, how are you selling it? What are the benefits that you're hearing? Did that inform that sort of repositioning a little bit? Um, you know what, this will sound a bit arrogant, but I think I am just a little bit arrogant. And <laughs> um, no, no, maybe not. But no, I think that like, what was unique for me was that like, I am a marketer. And my entire career, I have marketed to marketers. Right, yeah. So I, I, there wasn't much that I think sales could help me with in terms of the vision or the messaging sort of stuff that that said, they're super valuable with helping understand you know, segment, like there's segments in software as an example, right? Like I'm a marketer that I've, and I've marketed software for, to, for marketers, but when selling to a marketer that sells security software, like cybersecurity software or like farm software, or we have like, we have software categories on our site for a range of things, right? That are very different to my background. Hearing sort of those stories, I think was helpful just purely from a, um, a persona perspective, like in terms of how do we enable sales with the right content? Um, and that's what my product marketing team and my go-to-market teams are very focused on. But that again is like very like five levels in um, and very segmented selling. At the higher level, I think actually we were, uh, we were okay, I think without their input. And I don't right. say that to sound like we knew everything. We definitely didn't and we still don't. But um, I think that, it's kind of like the whole like Ford thing, right? Like if you ask people what they wanted back when they had horses, they would have said faster horses versus yeah. <laughs> cars. Like, you know, I think sometimes like the naivety of me coming in and not knowing how we sell almost was really helpful. I think to help me not get too um, bought into the existing sales process, maybe. Right. That's smart. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, what is your, you know uh, you know, we're, in Q4 right now, what's your most ambitious goal that you're, you're trying to hit before the year's end? Our most ambitious goal? Um, 
I mean, they're all, that's a good question. They're all on track, actually, at the moment. I just synced up with all my team for their one-on-ones, actually, literally right before this call. Yeah. <laughs> um, our traffic's on track. Our, our marketing source pipeline is on track. And, you know, our brand activities are on track. Um, so they're sort of like my three very, like, high-level goals. And obviously, we go into more detail. Sure. But I think for me, like, the one... So we're still on track for, for traffic, but as I said, like our traffic is growing at 30, 35% month on month. And so again, that could change, right? Like they you know, Google changes their algorithm all the time. You know, we see quite a lot of, um, you know, external stuff change things. And so, um, you know, I can't really control for that. So hopefully there aren't any big changes there that slow down that growth that we're seeing right now. But I mean, that's always a pretty big reality that, it sucks like as a marketer in this space like doing everything that you think is right like but i should actually say though a lot of our competitors the way they have grown their businesses through ppc and for a lot of like shadier things that we don't do and like a clear example of that is you know a lot of our competitors will just give any company or product a badge like a champion's badge or a leader badge for for not being a leader and they do that because they want a link right from yeah. that yeah. platform site and like we just component, don't do that. Right, like yeah, yeah like we're, well, they just, yeah they want like the the off-site links to yeah. their site to help their domain authority to help them beat us in ranks and categorically like we won't do that right because like that's why we are who we are because like we actually want to help buyers like we don't want to trick them into buying software based on who sell, spends the most money with us as a, as a software company so um, sometimes that is like a tough pill to swallow, I guess, because, um, you know, you can, it, it makes it sometimes really difficult to beat them on certain things. But I think what we're, where we've been really lucky is that whenever there are Google al- algorithms changes or things like that, they oftentimes negatively impact our competitors far more than us because of the ways and the tactics that they have grown their sites. Whereas we are growing our site very good, I think. So that like we're kind of, um, safe in the long term is the is the is the guest posting and link building uh or or is the new content creation like which one of those you think is more responsible for the 30 percent you know month over month growth you continue to see obviously they're both important because you're not going to have anything to link build or optimize down the road if you don't publish new content now but what's been the biggest contributor yeah good that's a great question um you know what i wish i knew i mean i think right right now what i would say is that a lot of our growth that we're seeing really recently in the last few months is coming from our dub, dub, dub. So I would say like earlier this year, a lot of our net new content and the learning hub. Um, so the learning hub is really is like, is what our mm-hmm. content top of funnel asset is called. Um, you know, there's thousands of posts there now it generates millions of sessions itself a month. Um, we saw a lot of growth there, you know, um, earlier this year, right? Like it was hard to get it going. And then once we got it going, it, started crushing it like insanity sort of growth numbers um and then i think that sort of like slowed down a little bit and now our dub 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 has taken off so like our core marketplace and it's really tough to say though because we also like this year started doing a lot more technical seo in our core marketplace so it's really hard to kind of pull apart like as are all the links now that we're getting from all of our net new content which refers link juice to our core marketplace like is it that is it the technical stuff on the website i mean it's 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 all of the above but i mean i wish it kills me as someone that loves to like be a control freak and know the numbers <laughs> and what what you know exactly what, yeah. what i yeah it definitely hurts me not being able to do that sometimes with seo right or maybe i'm just not good enough but i don't know i feel like i've hired some really great people there and they no one seems to know how to do it exactly. There's a lot of things where the more links you get, the more links are back to your blog posts, which point internally to your marketplace, you know, your your product pages. So there, there's so many things working at the same time, right? So many things. It's be hard to yeah. parse it apart. Um, so I want to yeah. wrap here. 2020, looking ahead, how do you see your strategy changing at all? Um, like what, what what will be continue to be your your core focus going into next year? Yeah, I mean, none of our focuses focuses are changing next year. So they're staying as is. Um, Really, I think 2020 for us is about um, how do we best structure the team? Um, So I think a lot of like the things that I'm really focused on right now are more around like what functions do I need to centralize in the team and pull together? So like right now, you know, we have, email marketers sitting across lots of different teams. And I think most likely we will centralize them into one core team and have them 
be a bit of like a, a hub right. that can work for other teams. And that, that's just like one example. But, you know, centralizing some core functions, which sounds like a pretty basic thing. But um, right now what we're seeing is having them all in individual teams. They're, they're not executing on their initiatives as at kind of the level I would like them to. So, aka, there's quite a bit of differences in our email marketing look and feel and conversion rates and kind of process depending on the team. And I, I want to fix that again because I'm a control freak. <laughs> <laughs> um, but also like I think what we then also have like a lot of, we have some generalists that unfortunately have like a lot of switching costs. So, you know, one like one hour they're doing an email, then they're doing social next and then they're, they're kind of responsible for digital. And I think I want to kind of centralize some of our digital channels and then like like group them by channel um so that they're like centers of excellence um so yeah that's i think a bit of a big focus for us next year and then naturally you know hope, hopefully we we set the team up for success so that we can hit our big hairy goals next year so when i talk to you this time next year you can have 140 people on your team what, what do you... <laughs> that's a good question um i don't know i was just doing some of that head count for next year um who knows we'll see i mean i <laughs> i would have never expected the team to be as big as it is now but again like i said g2 does a really good job i think of when they see results and when they see something working doubling down on that thing so you know i hope if we keep doing a good job and hopefully it keeps growing yeah we'll keep at it man you guys are doing it traffic from where we are now yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> i was working the numbers actually on alexa and i think by the end of the year we should be about the 250th most trafficked website in the world which is pretty fucking cool if i do say so myself that's huge yeah yeah, yeah. Keep it up to it's it. really hard once you get to like 250 like that range you're dealing with like linkedin and google and yeah like, <laughs> and reddit so who knows how that will pan out but yeah yeah well, keep at it man you guys are doing inspiring work and uh, inspiring <laughs> for 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 the rest of us so Thanks for thanks for coming on, Ryan, and for sharing. Thanks so much for your for time, John. So much, man, it. and being so transparent. Cheers. Thanks you too. Thanks so much for listening. If you found this episode valuable, check out our other episodes or subscribe to get new ones. If you want to support the show, we'd love for you to leave a review or share it with someone. And if you want a tool to help you track and improve your business performance, try Databox free at databox.com.